I did my homework though. I try I tried the game you wanted me to try. We had homework. Oh yeah. How'd you like neon white? Oh that one. It was it was fun. I I, I didn't think I was gonna like it. I'm not gonna lie. Um I, I saw wait, the video. Wait, wait, wait. Based yeah. on what? I was well, I, I was gonna say I saw the video that Tony sent me. <laughs> um <laughs> and it didn't look like it didn't look like something I would enjoy too much, uh, largely basing that off of the fact that it is first person, um, and that's not something that I enjoy, but I gave it a shot, um, and it's fun. I liked it. Um, I played through like the first whole like sequence of mission things, um, mm-hmm. and I started the second one, um, and I've I've so far like. I forget what the what they called it, but like the I've I've gotten all the things on all the missions so far, like hundred percent at each mission. The gifts and the trophies, yeah, I guess. The gifts, but also like the <laughs> like the beat the time challenges and like yeah, uh, did all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's how I was playing. Get the blue medal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 a good game. I'm I'm probably gonna keep playing it. It's rare that when I play a game like this that I'm motivated to like go for the top like platinum tier on every level. But on this game, I was very motivated to do so. They, I don't know, some they did they they did a great job. And and so the the video dance talking about, I put it in the show notes. I'm I assume you're talking about. Uh, I sent you video game donkeys review of this game, which I'm a big fan of him. And, uh, I, I like that review. And one, one, one of the, one of my favorite things about it is he says, this is a video game that makes you feel good at video games. And yeah, I think that that, I think that that encompasses my thoughts about the game and why I find it so enjoyable because I'm not a person who typically enjoys these kind of like, you know, like keep trying the same little thing over and yeah. over to try to get the best score kind of challenge thing. But there's something about playing this game in particular that's really satisfying. So I think like that's the best recommendation I can give. I, I think I know why that is, because the the f- the lower two levels of trophies um, and I don't remember the colors at all, but the like the 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 fir- the not the top trophy you can get. Yeah, it's They're... like bronze, silver, gold, and the blue one. Sure. So, so like the 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 bronze and the silver. Let's say, um, you you just have to be like decent at it to get those. Like you 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 know you cut a few seconds here and there or something like that. But to get the top one, like there's usually something you have to like figure out. Like it's almost like a puzzle. Like you have to say like this is not a matter of me taking this turn a little bit faster. This is like there's a path I miss somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. so I, th- I think that that does a lot to, to make me want to keep trying it because it's not, it's not a matter of like, my fingers have to move quicker. It's, 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 I have to look at this in a different way, which it, which is something that is fun for me. Yeah. That, that makes sense. It, it feels more, I, I don't know. It feels more like a puzzle to solve. And, and I get that like the, the pure skill challenge, like when you like see the answer, but you just have to execute it. I understand that's its own kind of like challenge, but yeah. I don't know, like maybe maybe I just personally enjoy the kind of like, you know, I want to figure out the thing yeah. as opposed to having to execute the thing. I can definitely say like the ones that were my least favorite are were the ones that I knew exactly what I had to do and I just needed a few tries to get it. Um, right. like, like there was one that I don't know if this was like the most optimal way of doing it, but there was one that I had to like shoot some demon like in midair or something like that and it was just like from from like a mile away and it was just like i I kept missing um and that wasn't super fun for me because i was like i know if i get this 
I'll keep going. And there may have been a better way to do it, but you know, it it was just like, I had to try the same thing over and over again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I can definitely see why Alex, this would be a game that you would like, uh, cause it's, it's almost a combination of like Celeste and a really basic, version of slay the spire (laughs) like you have to figure out well because you have to figure out what cards to use and when but it's also got the celeste of like you know jump at this point and hit this button and i think the comparison to celeste is the most obvious yeah that's why i said celeste first it's certainly not as in-depth as slay the spire is but it it has that like hard aspect yeah well slay the spire i gotta i feels like a stretch to me it is. Um, it is. Especially because if we're going to bring up the cards in Neon White, I mean, the cards are sort of, uh, um, I don't know if formality is the word I want to use, but it's not a card game. Like, it uses cards to represent, like, your abilities, but it's basically the same thing as saying, like, if you're playing The Last of Us and you found a bow and arrow, and it's like, oh, it's a you found the bow and arrow card, and when you use the card, you have a bow and arrow in your hand. Like, they mm-hmm. just there to represent like the new abilities you kind of achieve um in the moment but it's not a card well, game in the sense that uh slay the spire i'm gonna disagree with that are. oh boy um, i feel a conversation about that incoming yeah <laughs> let's go i mean certainly at the <laughs> beginning that's true but i do think as you get to the harder levels or, or or as you try and get that like blue trophy or whatever the top one is um like there are certainly times where if you use the wrong ability at the wrong time you're not going to be able to get that trophy correct ability. so you do have you do have to figure out <laughs> same thing you do have ability, ability not what card he said um oh well, it's the same yeah thing. okay the cards are i'm your gonna abilities. ask you in a second what the definition of a card is um <laughs> i will it's I, I get what you're saying like it doesn't have to be a card therefore it's not a card game or something but i can make the same argument about slay the spire um but you know it's that like because there are times where like you can get through a level playing whatever cards you want at whatever times you want for the most part but like if you really want to do beat the like the fastest time challenge like there are times that you have to be strategic about i'm going to play this card at this point so in in that sense there is a little bit of strategy there i don't disagree with that whatsoever like yeah it's a strategy game and that requires like you know puzzle solving skills mm-hmm. but in a card game uh, you have these aspects of a deck and drawing from it and sort of like random chance. Whereas this game is just using cards to represent like picking up ammo off the ground. They just happen to be two dimensional objects. Okay. It's like calling Paper Mario a card game. Like they, you can't just, just because they're flat doesn't mean they're cards. Like it's a platformer or RPG or whatever. Do you, do, do you have to be able to build the deck for it to be a card game? I think because the randomness doesn't matter if you're not building the deck, right? I, I my my point is it's you I don't think you can call it a card game just because like the figurines and the characters are cards. It's like playing Final Fantasy and Cloud is like an an anthropomorphic card and it's like, "Oh, it's a card game because he is a card." It's like that's that's not what a card game is. I get I guess I can kind of see what you're saying. Like it's it's almost like I'm I've, I'm racking my brain for a card game that like doesn't have the randomness or something like that. But it's it's almost like I'm thinking about it almost closer to like Strike and Horizon. Like you you know what you're 
going to get, at least once you go through it once, and you just have to figure out the proper way to use it. So card games need to have random draws. I mean, I'm a little scared. I've, I've, uh, my heart fluttered when you used the word need because yeah. now we are requiring ourselves. Because that's to... what it sounds like you're saying. <laughs> I can't think of a single example where it doesn't, though. Yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to argue that point. That may just be true, but that's what it sounds like we're saying right now. I merely want to give words uh an amount of functional meaning. Fiction noise dictionary, there we go. <laughs> and if and if we start uh calling things card games just because they happen to have cards in them without <laughs> any sort of uh evaluation of like how they're used then I feel like we start losing the meaning of what that means. Yeah, like RPG. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's a great example. Well, <laughs> well in in a in a if I think logically and force myself to think that way, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but if I think with Why my Why would you do anything else? Well, ah! <laughs> because if I think with my like you know, monkey brain, I I can't I can't totally discount that there wasn't some part of my subconscious that was like, oh, there's cards in this game, so I like it. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that's fine. You can enjoy the aesthetic of cards. I won't disagree <laughs> with that either. Like, that sounds fine. Uh, there's plenty of Mario fans who love Paper Mario, even though it's not really a Mario game. It has some Mario elements. <laughs> right, um, just because it has a Mario in it doesn't make it a Mario game. It's about how the Mario is utilized. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. That's, I, know, I know you're like saying that with like a shitty grid, but like that's exactly what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's like when I say a Mario game, you don't think to turn-based combat. That's not what a Mario game is defined as. Uh, but there is Super a Mario I, RPG, not a Mario game. It's, I mean, dude, I mean, this, there, there's a point <laughs> I'm trying to make here. Like, you know what I mean when I say Mario game? The first thought is not Mario RPG. Uh, again, to be fair, though, it does have Mario elements. And when I say Mario elements, I'm referring to platforming and bonking your head on top of a block. So it makes a ding coin. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think I'm just saying that, like, that's why Mario feels like such a bad example because, like, there are so many quote unquote Mario games that are like different styles and like, you know, like, like, right. There's like Mario's Mario RPG is Mario Kart. Know. Like there's a Mario, yeah. like Mario is a brand. Yeah. Mario Kart. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't, Hey, Mario Kart's a really well-selling game. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't blame somebody for, if you said Mario game, if they thought of Mario Kart instead. Sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, I, yeah, I guess that's fine. I guess I have to just look into myself. For but I take your point. I, I agree with you. Good. Well, all right. Then I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Good episode, guys. <laughs> right. The thing with Neon White, um, the de I definitely like the puzzle solving aspects of it that you did mention um, are actually more of a reason why I compare it more to Celeste uh, than like Slay the Spire, which I understand what you're trying to say, which is like that puzzle solving aspect. Um, but Neon White does this really interesting thing where in order to get through things faster, instead of just being better strictly, you can also be smarter to get mm. through the game, uh, which is something Celeste also does in the entirety of the game. Uh, you get through it relatively, I'll say normally or as expected uh, without being a pro gamer. And then when you reach chapter nine, it teaches you like pro gamer strats. And then once you know those pro gamer strats, 
specifically wave dashing, you look back at the entire game and realize there's opportunities for wave dashing in order to find these shortcuts to get through the game that, sure, you need to learn this technique, but it's not just doing the same thing better. It's just learning how to play the game. It's just learning all the aspects and techniques of the game, not strictly doing them better. I, yeah, I like that a little bit less than the way Neon White does it because you have to you know play through the whole game to learn this strategy. Neon White does that a little bit, which I don't mind because it's a lot... Uh, it has a quicker turnaround than Celeste does. Like You don't have to beat the whole game and then look back and be like, oh, I could have done it this way. But I did notice in the, in the second... I guess, is it mission? Is that, I forget. I don't know all the terminology, but it's like um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever, like that second group of missions are. Yeah. Um, second chapter. The, yes, yeah. The, like the first three runs that you do, there is a technique. I'm making up a number, but like the first few runs you do, there's a technique that you could be using that it just doesn't teach you, and in like the fourth or so run it teaches you or it doesn't actually actually doesn't teach you which i really appreciated it it forces you to learn it you're mm -hmm. just like i don't know where to go from here so i'm just going to try this thing and you see that it works and you're like oh i could have been doing this but you only have to go back like three runs to to figure that out um or to like put it into practice so like i don't feel as like like that would just bother me if i did an entire game and it was like you have to go back now and do it this way if you want to do it better um, but like, I don't mind having to go back and do like a couple of them. The, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm misrepresenting Celeste a little bit, uh, because once you reach the chapter nine is not part of the base game. Um, so it's really like a extracurricular thing, but that's just me being defensive about Celeste. That's really the only thing I'm mm -hmm. trying to get out of that. Yeah. I, maybe, maybe I would have seen that if I liked Celeste better and maybe I would have liked Celeste better if it had cards in it. <laughs> I mean, just stick the uh, strawberries on some cards. That's all I'm saying. I was gonna, yeah. What do you think of strawberries? <laughs> Are strawberries good? Like we got plenty no, of those. It's not on a card. Our strawberries card. cards. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Oh, the other game that I sort of compared Neon White to, uh, from my point of view, which is why I, I like the game. I end up, I ended up stopping uh, my playthrough of Neon White. I haven't finished it. Um, I could go back to it. But it's funny because it it makes me think of two of my favorite games, which is uh, Celeste and Overwatch. Uh, the mm. movement mechanics and a lot of the uh, skills in the game feel similar to playing Overwatch to me as far as a combination of being of knowing how to use the movement mechanics as well as the uh, aim and fire mechanics. Mm -hmm. Overwatch, I've always found to be an interesting first-person shooter because if you are not good at aiming and shooting things which is a difficult skill there are other way there are a number of other ways to play the game that require different skills that allow you to perform at a high level in that game regardless of your ability to strictly aim and shoot um, and neon white's kind of s a slew of different weapons and things and the way you interact with them makes you think about the game differently and the comparison obviously being a first person uh, platformer uh, Overwatch fits in very neatly so two of my favorite games Neon White kind of creates this nice microcosm of and what you have is a game that I I, I like pretty good yeah the, the other thing I like speaking of the the strawberries too that I'm just realizing now um, that I definitely prefer to the way uh, I prefer the way Neon White does it over how Celeste does it which is like with the strawberries and Celeste you have to be good at the game and get the strawberries while you're being good at the game um and with 
neon white like to get the presents for example like it's a totally different way of playing the level like you can you just i can i literally the way i did it was i just walked through the level i didn't even worry mm-hmm. about the time yeah. you know i just was trying to find where it was once i figured out where it was i was like okay i think i can get to it now and then i went you know went and did it again but it there were I liked that it it was almost like a, a reprieve from like this fast paced like lean forward type game to I'm mm. just gonna take my time with this one and the presents were mm-hmm. all like pretty well done I thought there was only one I took any issue with and it was just because I I, I genuinely couldn't find it like I mm. I had to look it up <laughs> um and it was one that was like hidden under a grate. And like I just never would have looked. Yeah, there. I feel like um, we encountered that. But like the all the other ones, I was like, I, I either saw it immediately, and I was like, okay, I have to figure out how to get there, or I had to look around a bit. But once I found it, I was like, okay, I can figure that out. Um, but the I thought I thought that the, they were done really well. Yeah, the gifts in Neon White. You know, I think there's some that are more fun to acquire or figure out yeah, how to acquire sure. than others, obviously. But I also think between the gifts in Neon White and the Strawberries in Celeste, an interesting comparison there is I think there's less of an expectation in Celeste that you're going to find all the strawberries mm. on your first run. Uh, in yeah. part beca- I think in part because there's more of them. Uh, and by the fact that there's more of them, there's a lot. I think it was intentional in the design of Celeste that there's a lot of different ways to find them which I think is a strength and weakness of Celeste where you can, again, it requires different skill sets to find different strawberries, either puzzle solving, either platforming, um, or even just simply checking your corners to find secret entranceways, which uh, are pretty common in Celeste for finding strawberries. And there are people that like that discovery, finding secrets that open up new parts of the map. Uh, I don't. I don't like those strawberries. I never did. And I will still say that I don't like them, even (laughs) though Celeste is one of my favorite games. Those are my least favorite strawberries uh, to have to collect because I'm just like pressing my body against the wall in every screen (laughs) until my body falls through and I find no joy in that. Yeah. Uh, But I know people that do. So, again, strength and weakness of the game that there are different ways to find the strawberries in Celeste. Um, which I think Neon White has a good amount of variety. Uh, that does make it interesting, but also, again, has that sort of range of there's a bunch of presents that are fun to find, and there's others mm-hmm. that eh, are forgettable. It's funny because that kind of thing like mostly strikes me just as old fashions. Like um, I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. of like original Zelda. Yeah, yeah like, absolutely. <laughs> just bomb every single wall until you find the door, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So like there is there is precedent for that, but I do... You know, I have a strong feeling that we've moved beyond that kind of I, design. <laughs> I, I have to disagree only because I think we've moved beyond that design. <laughs> but Metroidvania-style games continue to have an audience. Uh, Metroid Dread, I think, is a good example of, like, there are collectibles that are just behind invisible walls that you need a certain type of weapon to open up sometimes. Uh, and yeah. Metroid Dread was reasonably popular. Uh, and we continue to make and people continue to enjoy these types of games, which evade our interest. But you know what? I guess there's an audience for it for some reason that I don't understand. And well, I wish we would stop, but it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed Metroid Dread. Um, and and, to, and it, a good thing a good thing about Metroid Dread is that it gives you um, it does give you hints as to where to look for collectibles it'll give you an indication to say like there's a collectible in this room right on this screen it like mm -hmm. has it by area 
Yeah, so you know which rooms you need to check to find things. And I think that's better than, you know, a game giving you no indication of that's, where yeah. a completely hidden thing That's true. That does narrow it down, which is helpful. Um, I still don't end up enjoying it, uh, remembering my yeah. experience with Metroid Dread. Uh, a rare game that you haven't finished Metroid Dread, right, Dan? But you played it? I started it. Um, yeah. It wasn't anything that, it like, it didn't really do a whole lot for me, but I wasn't I also wasn't surprised by that fact. Yeah, it um, it's never. I've never been a massive Metroid fan, um, which is weird because Samus is my favorite Super Smash Brothers character. Um, huh. But <laughs> get to that later. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it never did a whole lot for me. Uh, I, I still have it. I might eventually come back to it. I'm in this weird. It goes in waves. I have just a, a massive amount of media that I'm is in my backlog to consume right now, both like TV shows, video games, just like all of the good stuff came out at one time and I need to, or at least things that are potentially good that I have to try and I just need to make my way through it. So one, once I have nothing to play and I'm bored, I might pick up Metroid Dread again. I do, I do need to clarify though. Uh, in my mind, there's two camps of Metroid games. Third, uh, uh, first person and 2d platformer when -hmm. you say you've tried and not really gotten into metroid games are you referring to having tried both of those kinds of games or which one in particular uh i actually haven't played the first person ones um i've i've only tried the the platformers well you're in luck because metroid prime remastered is just available now on a switch near you because if i don't like the the platformers i'm certainly gonna like the first person games yeah no, I, I mean, I think I played through, I think there was, I, I wish I could remember which one it was, but I I think there was a Metroid game that I played as a kid that I finished, or at least got okay. pretty close to finishing. Um, but it never stuck with me. Like, it was it was just a game I played because I didn't have another game to play. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it never never hit my top ten. I mostly appreciate them because they're, uh, they have unique things compared to other platformers, but not always my favorite things. The 2D Metroid games that I think stand out uh, in people's memory are Super Metroid for the Super Nintendo and Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance. I think Advance. it was that one. Yeah, that's probably... It certainly uh, was a Game Boy game. I know that for sure. Cool. Um, so I would I would assume it's that one. Yeah, there were a couple of Game Boy ones. I don't know them offhand, but in any case, yeah, Metroid is the type of platformer series that uh, is not my favorite kind of platformer. Um, I like straightforward platforming platformers uh celeste being sort of a pinnacle of that for me and unfortunately that kind of joy i get from playing platformers always makes my mind wander just a little bit so it's like oh maybe i want to pick up a super mario game and then i pick it up and then i'm disappointed and then that happens but anyway so i'm follow-up question there is so what what is the difference then between like a Metroid platformer and what you would call like a standard platformer? Uh, the most obvious difference is Celeste, Super Mario. Uh, they are linear. You go left to right, okay. and you get to the end, and you da 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 da. Whereas a Super Metroid or a Metroidvania, an Owl Boy, all these types of games, got it. Um, okay, you just have to wander around looking for progress, and there are keys in the form of power-ups that you can use to unlock different parts of the map and then you have to go to that part of the map and okay. oh you'll get to this part i can't get through there i just need the more powerful rocket launcher and then you get that mm-hmm. and you go back there and it's just like i it's not fun for me okay personally. i'm with you on that one then i would prefer a standard platformer um in fact ironically and i don't know if this has even ever been brought up but one of my 
and, and this is probably from a nostalgia standpoint i don't know like if i tried it for the first time today it would hold up to be one of my favorite games but one of my favorite games of all time is a platformer um which is a uh, crash bandicoot mm-hmm. what yeah. did i yeah. know that i don't know crash bandicoot it's it's as far as i can remember it's like it might have been like the first game that hooked me like wow. that that it's certainly it's back there like if it's not the first it's within the first couple of games that i became like really obsessed with huh mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a platformer you know alex when you describe <laughs> it that way it's like the system of keys where you have to unlock it and find the progress and things like that it sure sounds a lot like if zelda was a platformer <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's a similar system pretty funny. Uh, to zelda absolutely um zelda the only reason it's not a metroidvania is because it's like a adventure game um which what's the difference i think it's the number of dimensions actually if we're going to be really honest (laughs) yeah yeah because i mean metroid dread is an adventure you know you 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 start at one place and you have to get from a to b over the course of the story and and you escape and yeah yeah i think i think metroidvania is just a single word with too many syllables to describe 2d adventure game hmm Mm. yeah it sounds right what's wrong i'm agreeing with you a lot today um (laughs) i i think it's uh i think my i think what's happened is i my worldview has changed on the type of media i absorb because not only have i started reading books i've also started watching (laughs) yeah we gotta talk about that yeah we'll get well we'll get to that but uh, i've also started watching like tv shows that i've putting that i've been putting off and i'm like famously not interested in starting tv shows because who has the time um but i've also started watching some amount of tv since i haven't picked a new book to start reading yet if it's important to you you make the time well <laughs> well we can get into it i it, and it's not just the what last you, of us either yeah i was gonna say what are you watching besides the last of us i all right, so I no idea. first I want to talk about the books. Not in detail, just the titles, um, because I liked those more. And I read, I don't even know, I don't think I talked about this on the podcast yet, because um, no. I definitely didn't finish all of them yet. Um, but I read two Jillian Flynn novels um, because I decided randomly. Two Jillian, that's a lot. Two Jillian, two Jillian Flynn novels. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was, that was insane. Sorry. I've had, uh, no, that was incredible. I like that joke a lot. That's <laughs> that was that was beautiful. That was artwork. Right there. That, that was really solid. I, I almost didn't get that one, but that was really good. I know. I, I didn't get what you were until I said it when you were like, what does it mean? Oh, and that was, I had a very good moment. That was beautiful. Oh, man. We really, there's nothing left after that. I think that's it. Cool. Uh, I think that's just the end nothing of the show. Nothing else to talk about. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just cut and paste that and put it at the end. Right. Yeah. Make a good just ending. on repeat. <laughs> no, I, I read uh, two novels by a woman named Jillian Flynn, uh, the first of which um. was Gone Girl, because, oh, okay. again, if you, if you assume, if you accept the th- uh, premise that i just decided to pick up a book randomly one day and read it which is what happened i can't really explain it um i stumbled on gone girl because i was just browsing a looking for a book to read and i had remembered watching the movie that came out in 2013 or 14 directed by david fincher who i have an academic interest in for his very um oh, i always forget the word on the spot um he has a very uh, uh arrogant style of directing that I really appreciate. 
And the movie Gone Girl was, was pretty good. It's fine if you're into arrogant movie, uh, arrogant movies, <clears throat> then he'll it's the right movie for you. Uh, which is funny because the novel is, to, in my opinion, anything but arrogant. It's got a very loose writing style. It's very casual, almost like stream of consciousness. And it was fun in that way, which is cool because the plot line of the book is reasonably like dramatic and uh, gritty and realistic, um, which made a very enjoyable reading experience. And I can highly recommend uh, Gone Girl and probably plenty of other Gillian Flynn novels because I immediately read a second Gillian Flynn novel called Dark Places. I said I wasn't going to talk about these in detail. Uh, I immediately read Dark Places, which was also very good. And then that's all I'll say. Uh, and then, and then, Dan recommended me a book, and despite everything I've learned about recommendations, recommendations from Dan, he recommended, uh, Rebecca F. Kwong's, ba- God, the title on this book. Can I, didn't, I, just, I didn't know that was her first name. I, I'm pretty sure it's Rebecca. Um, she's like 26 years old, son of a Um... <laughs> But I want to get the full title of this book because it's it's remarkable. If you pick up the book in like a bookstore, you just see the word uh, Babel, uh, which is like, oh, that's a good name for a book. You, it's like maybe it's like Tower of Babel. There's all these things. Uh, and then you like look closer or look it up on the Internet and you find the full title, which is <clears throat> Babel, colon, or The Necessity of Violence, colon, An Arcane History of the Oxford Translator's Revolution. Good, good name. Uh, which, as far as I can tell, is not a real historical event. But It's absolutely not. <laughs> but damn, what a title. And that's a great book. I think it's probably better than the other books mm-hmm. I liked. And whole, like, not only is it a great book, it's, it's sort of like a remarkable accomplishment of a book in yeah, my she, she's a phenomenal author she's yeah she's a, she's a relatively new author like alex said she, she's yeah. pretty young um and she's quickly become one of my favorites it, i mean coupled with the fact that like she's just really good at what she does and the books are interesting um and not as generic as a lot of other fantasy books like i found her because i was mm. at the time searching for fantasy books that were not set in like your typical european like mid you know victorian era. yeah <laughs> and so her her uh debut novel um poppy wars poppy wars thank you um is set in uh it's not literally like an asian country but it is styled off of that like it's a fake country mm. um but it's like I think I think it's based on Japan or China. I don't remember, but um, but it but it's 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 set in in an Asian type country, not European, and that was something that was interesting to me. And I tried it, and I was like, "Holy crap, this is good!" And then on top of all that, she just seems like a really good person. Um, I mean, there was a there was a whole issue with Harper Collins, and people were striking, and she pulled all her books from like like uh, I from like st- I guess stopped publishing them through harper collins or something like that um and like she stood with the strip with the people striking and i was like this is you're a good person and a good writer like you got all you got you got got it all going for you like good job dang dude <laughs> harper collins union strike 23 hours ago there's like an update Ooh, i have to read yeah. this so e- easily one of my current favorite authors 
but yeah so i'm glad you liked it um i'm i'm mm-hmm. seeing I, I based on the fact that tony's been agreeing with you and i've been agreeing with you on things you said i think actually what you're <laughs> doing is you're agreeing with us i think that's what's happening <laughs> <laughs> right i was gonna say to answer your question tony i think what's happening is i'm becoming more open-minded or my or my standards are lowering it's really hard to tell <laughs> Uh, they look so similar. <laughs> no, I'm I'm Join I'm us actually down here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually in the same boat though. In my uh, in my what? as I'm getting into my advanced age, I'm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes, join uh, me up here. It's, I, 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 I it's somebody's thirtieth year. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I've started watching TV shows that aren't comedies. Um, oh, no, so that's that's Ooh, a thing that's happening. That's exciting. Uh, I still like like lighthearted stuff. Like sure. I start, I'm currently in the in the in, started watching in the first season of The Sopranos. Um, and there's certainly some okay. lighthearted moments in The Sopranos, but it's I wouldn't call it a comedy. Mm. Um, and it's it's really good. I like it. Yeah, the Sopranos. It's de- it's definitely on my list of HBO classics that I want to get to someday. I've got this whole list of them because I didn't grow up with HBO. Me neither. Uh, yeah. But but now I have it as an adult, and I'm like, wow, there's all this yeah. stuff that I missed. That's that, really good. <laughs> that and I would suggest putting West Wing at the top of your list if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, I've heard oh, good things man. about West Wing too. So good. Um, but yeah, and for me, I don't know if it's so much that I'm becoming more open minded or. I think it's more the fact that I've run out of comedies to watch. Like they're just, they're not making them as quickly as I can watch them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, books you were, you were reading. Yeah, that is a problem. Well, no, I'm, I was trying to just answer Tony's question. I'm trying to not talk about the books, um, but I, <laughs> but, but I would be remiss not to let you know, Dan, uh, that I think the two TV shows that I watched are uh, shows that you have either enjoyed or recommended. Uh, the first one being I watched two seasons of The Boys. Nice. Which is an Amazon show, which I ultimately found kind of disappointing because the writing seemed sloppy and lazy after a while. And it's just a lot of spoilers. It's just a lot of blackmail and gratuitousness. And it's just like, you're not, you don't really care about your plot anymore is how I felt. <laughs> and I'm not going to watch the third season. I'm good. I got, it was like, it's like, like I want to like it. It's a good aesthetic. aesthetic. It's a good concept. Um, but I found the writing to be subpar uh, after too long of a time. I didn't feel that. I still like it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I know a lot of people that like it. Um, and yeah, it's probably worth watching to see if that doesn't bother you. But I don't know. It bothered me. Um, I could go into detail if I remembered, uh, but it's been a couple of If you like point. the idea of the show and Uh-oh. want something like kind of Here similar and you don't mind a cartoon... Uh, invisible. Oh, invincible. invincible. Yeah, yeah, that's another one I've heard of. That's on my that's a phenomenal show. Yeah, it'll probably happen uh, eventually. I I did want to find a comedy to enjoy, and I've tried watching the comedies you like, Dan. Um, I started I started like the first two episodes of the Sex Lives of College Girls, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, nope. Nope. Definitely no? not. Oh, I felt I exactly really like good. I do with Shit's Creek that Uh, oh man i just no not even close just not even what kind of comedy do you like i don't know because right see this is (laughs) this is something that 
I've been trying to nail down, I feel like, for years. Because my hit rate for trying to recommend comedy to you is basically zero. <laughs> and I don't understand what comedy you do. You, enjoy. Do you just not like comedy? It's not what I find funny. <laughs> so well well, so to answer your question succinctly, because I uh should get used to that more. Um, I did watch a <laughs> comedy TV show that I did enjoy that I heard you liked, Dan, I think. Uh, which I watched two seasons of The Good Place. Okay. Uh, and that was uh, legitimately funny. Not the funniest thing I've ever seen. It was yeah, I would agree very with that. funny. It was like, and, and it was also like very interesting. Um, spoilers for The Good Place. It kind of goes deep on some of my favorite topics, which is philosophy, in particular, mm, moral philosophy. Okay. And like, I like I knew it's really exciting for me when they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about Immanuel Kant's deontology and John Stuart Mill's utilitarianism and Aristotle's virtue ethics. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I know all that. This is fun for me in particular. Uh, all right. So that helps so, a lot. But it didn't help me. You didn't answer the question. <laughs> um, Wait, what was the question? <laughs> because you didn't you didn't you didn't clarify what type of comedy you like you you said i watched a comedy that that you liked and then said nothing about the comedy (laughs) that's true i don't have like a good answer i just remember (laughs) laughing during the good place so like if i'm gonna try and start narrowing it down Mm. like the good place that's it's like me saying i like neon white because there's cards in it right like it's 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 true it's not the the philosophy is not the comedy it's not it's that's true (laughs) no that's absolutely true and i'm and i I, I think I brought up the philosophy in order to describe sort of the same thing as like comedians have uh, uh, the, the, the warm up act. I think mm-hmm. the philosophy in the good place was the warm up act for me to enjoy the comedy in the good place. Okay. I, I think I'm going to need a list of like five comedies you like. I need to I need to be able to like <laughs> hone in on this. Per, perhaps get to work. it's if I'm going to take a stab just based on the limited data that we have. <laughs> um, maybe it's just that. It's not just the how do I describe this? It's not just the comedy that you need. Um, there has to be something else that's interesting to you uh, that's also within the comedy. Like jokes Sounds just true. for the sake of jokes aren't interesting. Mm-hmm. But if we have if if we have something funny or something making good jokes that also has some other kind of angle or some other kind of purpose, then it's you know, th- then, then, elevates then, it then for that's me. more interesting. So, that elevates it for you. Because, like, I'm thinking also about, like, a famous example, something that Dan and I like that you don't, is it's, it's always, always sunny, sunny in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but that that's sort of what I'm getting at, is I don't, I'm I'm not convinced that you like comedy. I think you're not offended by comedy. I think you you will watch something that's funny and enjoy it, but mm. but you don't seek out something that is, like, you don't you don't seek out something for the jokes. Oh boy, that's such an interesting statement. I agree that I probably don't enjoy the genre of comedy, but I do love finding things that I find funny and laughing at them. Sure. Um, I mean, you're not a monster. Like people like to laugh. Like that's woo! fine. <laughs> but 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 like but like what Tony was saying, like you you don't like always sunny. It's it it's I mean, it's an it's, Mm-hmm. I'm Go gonna on. use the term objective. Yeah, <laughs> it's oh, an objectively back, funny show. Like there are metrics and data that support it. It's in like season 16 <laughs> or something like that. Gross. Oh. Um, <laughs> like the sure, there's hits and misses. Not everything is funny on it, but like 
but like it's 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 a it's a funny show um it's a very you, successful comedy yes. <laughs> like you might not like that style of humor but then to also say like you don't like that style of humor you don't like the shit's creek you don't like sex the lives of college girls you don't like 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 it sounds to me that on on that if it's funny that can be a, a bonus you'll like it but you want first and foremost it has to just be a topic that you like or are interested in uh, I I think I would agree with that insofar as that's I feel like that has to kind of be true for a lot of people, uh, and correct not me if for I'm wrong. me. Well, I'll say this just to respond to that quickly. It makes sense to me that in order for something to kind of be funny, there's like an empathy for like the situation. Like something is funnier within a context because maybe I empathize with it. Like I can put myself in that position and be like, oh, I get that uh it's like bo burnham is like highly contextualized uh within its entire thing um and at points i think that's very depressing and <laughs> at points i think it's extremely funny yeah I, I, i'm and that's why i'm leaning towards that you don't like the genre of comedy because that's yeah, not maybe. true for me like interesting okay. what I, what i need to enjoy a comedy is it needs to be a well-crafted joke I don't need to be able to mm, enjoy it. It doesn't need to be an intelligent joke, and I don't want to confuse those two things. But it doesn't need to be something that I empathize with. I've been thoroughly enjoying Kunk on Earth, uh, which is an, uh, on Netflix right now. Heard of it. The, the, the thought of even like being in a room while those conversations happen between this character and these experts is the height of just cringe for me i could not i could not watch this like in person okay. i'd be like you're wasting these people's time and this is just awful um but it's funny like it's a character i get it it's funny always sunny i don't i've never run a bar i'm they're awful terrible people i have nothing in common with them it's like yeah, I, don't I, I would hate their guts if i met them in real life it's funny um <laughs> makes no sense to me that like that's like a big blind spot for me yeah but that's what i'm talking about is that that's why i say like i love the genre of comedy mm -hmm. and i don't think you do with with those parameters i can agree pretty completely yeah this is fascinating <laughs> this is fa no i agree this is fascinating um i know i tried the show new girl as well which similarly mm -hmm. i did not enjoy yeah, that one's okay I, I know a lot of people have a lot of strong feelings about that i it i watched it i thought it was like a i mean if we're gonna rank it in like terrible medium and really good like i would call it a solid medium um it's fine it's not terrible it's not great i did not enjoy unbreakable kimmy schmidt and all of these are shows i watched that one like i love i thought that was very funny i tried it and it's just like it doesn't there's just like nothing that's like that one's like a solid a minus for me interesting i could tell they're making jokes is the thing like i can read it <laughs> on a page and be like i know they're writing this because they think they're writing a joke that will be laughed at but i just like there's there's like a substance missing from it like without context like i don't get what this joke is doing in a vacuum like i think that's like it's the con context for me feels important i guess either from empathy or just from really setting up the structure really well um thinking about yeah, what were you gonna say? Uh, no, just just that like I think that it's I, I, I wonder I wonder if it's easier for me to laugh at something that I see as funny without worrying so much about why it's funny. Is that something that resonates with you at all? I 
I again, again, man, I, I feel like a machine. I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying, but I feel confident that I'm not purposefully looking for like context. I feel mm-hmm. I feel like I'm I feel like I am pretty good at just keeping an open mind, watching something, letting it like wash over me, letting it do its thing, and just seeing how I react to it. Um, and but there's not gonna. But if it doesn't hook you with something that you're interested in it's not going to do anything for you right yeah i'm yeah i'm like waiting for that hook i guess like if they start telling jokes and i'm not like hooked or understands mm-hmm. the context then it's just like i don't get what the joke is no yeah and and that's that's fine like we all have our our ways of deciding if we like a show i have i have an, a what i think a lot of people would not in i i don't know if a lot of people would want to use this but i have what i consider a pretty stringent litmus test to whether or not i'm going to watch a show or at least seriously watch a show i'm not i'm not counting like i'll have this on in the background while i'm doing other things Mm. um but like during the first episode of a show i don't watch it i'm on my phone i'm on my computer i'm doing something if it makes me look up i will stop what i'm doing and watch the show because i'm i'm listening Mm. if it's if it's good enough if there's a solid joke it'll make me look up and that has not failed me Wait, so I'm not supposed because like when I if I'm going to try a new TV show, like if I'm trying to be respectful to your recommendation of the sex lives. So that's now that's a different that's different. Let me let me clarify something. If if somebody recommends a TV show to me and they're like, I really want you to watch this. Like I will I will sit there and I'll watch it like I'm not going to just disregard and like not. But then are you putting your best forward into actually enjoying it or not? I mean, I think so because, like, okay. I, okay. I think the only thing I gain from not paying, not giving like my full attention, is I miss the the boring parts that are inevitable in most first episodes of shows. Oh, oh, um, that hurt. At right least there. comedies. I should say comedies. Um, okay. Because usually, not all the time, but usually the first episode of a comedy is not going to be its best episode. It's it, There's hopefully something really funny in it, which is what I'm getting at here. That'll make me look up and say that was a really good joke. But like, it, like it's, they're still finding their voice. They're still find, finding the characters and the, how this, how the cast play with each other and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I both agree and disagree with this. I don't think Ooh. I would do this kind of, um, I, I wouldn't do this kind of litmus test in the same way. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with, with that methodology, but I do definitely agree with the idea that I, for me, I don't think it's reasonable to expect a TV show to be showing its best work in its first episode. Yeah. I think the realities, I don't think the realities of how TV shows are made. Uh, I don't, I don't think that makes any sense. Um, which is why I'll like, you know, if I want to decide if I want to show or not, I, I if I want to decide if I like a show or not, it's unfortunate that it takes a long time, but I will watch like a few episodes of it at least um, to try to to try to get a sense, maybe even a whole first season if it's a show that's been out for a while. Um, that means that I don't watch as many shows because that's a big time commitment, but I I really do understand that like you know just the way that tv shows are made mm-hmm. it's not like it's it's not like the way that video games are made often the way that video games are made they're 
designed as one entire product. And in fact, because game studios know that so many people stop playing games before they finish them, the bulk of development effort is is almost always put into the beginning couple hours of a game because they know that like that's the only part of the game that the majority of people who load up the game will actually experience. So I do put more of a weight on like the first impression of a video game because I I would expect the game to, to be showing me its best work in the beginning, but I don't feel that way about a TV show. I feel very differently. Yeah, and I th- I think I also want to clarify something. I think the reason I can get away with doing it the way I do it is because of how much comedy I've watched. So like even if it's not, you know, making me laugh out loud all the time in the first episode, I have a pretty solid feel for like the the potential a show is going to have. Right? Like mm-hmm. like Parks and Rec is a great example of this. The first season is trash. Um but it goes <laughs> on to be an amazing show. And I knew though in the first season that I was really going to like this and I stuck it out and I was right. Um, and sometimes shows go through metamorphosis, like the first right. two seasons of Sunny are trash, but they made a big change, and then the show got in, a lot in, better. In, in, in the form of Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. <laughs> in the form of Danny DeVito, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think the show would have lasted half as long without him, but uh, but yeah, and and I've, I've only been wrong... I mean, I, I can't say how many t- how many times I've been wrong for sure, because it's possible I've stopped a show and I might have liked it if I stuck it out, but to, yeah. to, my, to my knowledge, it's only ever been one comedy i think that i at first said this is terrible and i'm never gonna watch this but i think i, wa- I want to say it was you tony who made me keep trying it and that's the office um oh, i God. couldn't couldn't stand it <laughs> i thought it was just the worst thing i'd ever watched um yeah and i'm glad i stuck it out because it it is now one of my favorite shows of all time but i really had to it, it's yeah. a different style of humor than what i'm used to and I really had to, like, figure out – I almost had to convince myself that it was funny. Like, I, I was like, oh, this is why it's funny. I get it now. Yeah. And that, and that's also uh, related. That's also an example of a show that the first few episodes – the first episode especially was just aping a completely different show. And um, the after you get past the first couple of seasons, the style of – I think they figure out – how to write for their own show. And I think it really comes into its own and it gets a lot better. And then it gets worse at the end, but yeah, a lot worse, <laughs> but it, you know, it has the, the, the syndrome of the cast starts to leave and the show doesn't end. Um, right, Scrubs yeah, last season was terrible for the same reason. Um, but mm. you know, with, with the office, I'm, I'm willing to bet that a large part of that comes from the fact that they were adapting a British television show for American audiences. And it's just, it, it is a different style of humor. Like the stuff that is, yeah, that that is funny in, in England isn't, isn't the same type of stuff that's funny over here. Absolutely. Have either of you watched the new night? What's it called? Knives out. Knives out. Onion? Yeah, I did. Not yet. I, I do want to see it, but I haven't yet. I saw the first one and I thought it was fine. It was like just a decent <laughs> movie to kill some time. Um, I reasonably enjoyed Glass Onion. I thought that was like a very good comedy movie. I feel the exact same way. And I've 
I've actually heard people like be like, what are you talking about? The first one was way better. And I'm like, you're wrong. Whoa. It's not true. Um, but like, <laughs> because I, and now I don't know because I watched the first one after the second one. Um, I, uh, because I mm. didn't know that was a thing. Like I, Sydney had me watch knives out or glass onion, whatever. And, um, uh, I actually really enjoyed it, which for me is saying a lot cause it's a movie. Um, and then we went back and watched the first one and I was like, yeah, it's no, that one's not as good. There's, um, a comedic tool that I believe the first movie employs, which I do not enjoy. And that is the act of filming someone vomiting for the sake Ugh. of comedy. Uh, spoilers, that happens in the first movie more than once. Uh, another movie that does this that I do not like at all uh, is the movie Pitch Perfect. Uh, Never it just saw it. There is a scene where someone vomits. And I think it's just like, and this is supposed to be, to steal a phrase, objectively funny. And in contrast, I find it uh, very off-putting. Uh, I don't even want to say disgusting. It's objectively disgusting. I can say mm -hmm. that for sure. But I don't find it uh, entertaining or enjoyable. Yeah. And I, I felt like as I was watching The Glass Onion I was almost on eggshells where it was like dipping its toe into this sort of like I, what I what I want to call but I you know I, I don't know what I'm talking about but it feels cheap or like just quick uh dirty comedy just trying to get away with something and hoping the audience doesn't realize it's not actually funny but seems like it's supposed to be funny uh like fart jokes I guess um which fart jokes can be very funny depending on the timing but uh, Glass Onion never quite crosses over that line for me. Like all the way throughout, it stays away from what things that I find to be not funny and kind of sticks to its guns. It has some exaggerated characters for sure. Uh, but ultimately, I guess I, I've, I feel like they're humanized enough in a way that I'm not pulled out of the movie might be the negative experience actually it's also interesting that you even bring it up because it's in at no point did i think that was a comedy uh the glass onion yeah either of them well i think we've solved our hmm. problem <laughs> <laughs> that's that's interesting i'm pretty sure they're intended to be comedies oh well it wasn't funny um <laughs> <laughs> um no i thought it was like a, a, a i thought it was like a uh thriller Sim similar to like what i was talking about with the sopranos right like there there are light-hearted moments that i chuckled sure now um but like the it's, sopranos it's, is not a comedy right like am i no. the only one okay there are certainly some funny moments that like i laugh at mm -hmm. but it's i wouldn't call it a comedy okay um and same thing okay. for glass onion like like it was it was it wasn't like a it was a mystery movie like that's what it is and it it wasn't like a dark scary mystery movie it was it was lighthearted and a little cheesy at times but like it was a mystery movie um i can talk about glass onion it would require spoiling some jokes though but i cool. i don't think remember I can... any of them so. okay i think i can make <laughs> the argument that glass onion is objectively a comedy but only if Tony is okay with receiving joke spoilers. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I'd, I'd rather not. I, I do I do still want to watch it. All you need to know is that Dan is wrong. 
I, I <laughs> it's possible that I genuinely don't remember the jokes that were made and it was funny. Um, but then I would argue that it wasn't funny. So, <laughs> well, so I I think what what's interesting that I'm hearing here is that like, what's the uh what's 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 the purpose of the media? Like, yeah. you know, is this something that's is this something where the comedy is the focus or is this something where the focus is something else? Damn. Um, I don't think there's been a single other episode where we have had such a good through line on our conversations where, cause we're, we're tying this back in like, yeah, yeah they're we're cards, doing good. but they're not like supposed to be cards. Like they don't have to be. Yeah. There's fun. It's funny, but it doesn't have to be. That's solid, solid stuff. Good job. Welcome guys. to the last episode of the podcast. Right. <laughs> right. Because you know, like the, not, you know, I you know, like I, I know you're saying, Dan, that you're just getting into watching dramas now. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've I've watched a lot of dramas and just because something is a drama doesn't as you know, like just because something is a drama doesn't mean it's never funny. Right. Um and but but it's but it's not a but it's not a comedy because the I, I just I don't know how to describe it. Like I, the I jokes think I can. aren't the main point, the jokes aren't yeah. the draw, the jokes aren't the purpose. Like, yeah, well I th- I th- I think I think I I think I can say this correctly. Um, so in something that's not a comedy, jokes are a tool to lessen tension. Um, that like right, I I would say that that's often the case, right? Like so there there's a sure. lot of yeah. there 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 is it's in the name. It's a drama, right? Like there's drama, there's tension, there's mystery, there's all this stuff, and mm, a obstacles. joke, right? And a joke can be a very effective tool to like get the audience to unclench a little bit. Um, and like right like like get them mm-hmm. to relax I um whereas in a comedy the whole point if your audience is not laughing you're you're failing um and there might be and and on the flip side there might be some drama too right like like we can look at mo- many comedies and there's there's a, a ton of comedies that have heartfelt moments in it that are really touching or like some sort of uh conflict between characters or something like that but at the end of the day the point is to be funny right uh, an example of comedy being used in a drama might be something like, I don't know, random example, uh, diarrhea is hereditary. Oh, my God. It runs in your genes. Yeah. Hey, The Last of Us. We did it. Comedy and a drama. The Last of Us. Easy transition. <laughs> Doesn't beat the scarecrow joke. That was definitely the best one. <laughs> I like the diarrhea joke. I don't know which joke is my favorite that they used in The Last of Us, but I don't know the the Scarecrow joke. I feel like I've just heard that much yeah, more that, that's, often. That's true. It is a more well known joke. I do think that's yeah. for a reason. It's funnier. It's a um, it's a good but, joke. I, it's, <laughs> I'll have to think about <laughs> kidding, that. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, no, I just I, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm not self I'm not a fan of uh, in this case literally potty humor. It's not not something that's ever really done it for me. Um, I th- I thought that was mm-hmm. a funny joke. I laughed. I'm not going to say I didn't, but it's just not my favorite genre of of comedy. Whoa, 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 whoa! Are you saying the diarrhea joke is potty humor? Again, what's the purpose? No, it's a pun. That's the <laughs> that's the point of the joke. It's supposed to make you go uh. But it, the the topic though is is this is the card you, conversation all over yeah. again. Like it's not potty right, humor because yeah, there's wh- a potty in it. Like, no, right, but what but, is a potty joke? Yeah, it's interesting. It, I don't know. I I don't find like that sort of topic funny. I guess 
Um, sure. Not to say not to say it can't ever be funny. Like I said, I did laugh at the joke. I'll I'll put that out there. I thought it was I thought it was good. I thought it was important for the show. It was it it, it showed. But, but this who is she good is, though. But this is good because you're talking about the aesthetic of yeah. the joke. Sure. And if you okay. and if you don't like the way something looks, even though it's objectively blah, 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 like if you just don't like that aesthetic, like that's that like that happens sometimes. You're just yeah. unlucky if you don't like dogs or. Uh, I'm trying to think of a dog movie, but I'm failing. Um, and there's like a funny dog movie, and you just don't like Lassie. dogs, and you might not like the movie. Lassie, sure, Lassie, <laughs> classic comedy. Yeah, um, yeah, no, and and sort of like what I was talking about, right? Like it's used to diffuse tension. Like I don't mind it because that's the point, right? Like it's there to do something with the characters and and build the relationship. Mm-hmm. The the point of it isn't yeah. to tell a poop joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the Last of Us isn't a comedy, yeah. but it has jokes in it because the whole point is to diffuse because because the story does has moments of really high tension and really low tension, and it's just a tool to moderate. I that. would say it's all high tension because I'm just constantly like, "Where's the infected?" <laughs> a lot of high tension. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Um, but yeah, it's been a little while. I think the the last time we recorded, we were talking about whether or not Tess would survive. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were so on it's, episode one. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a lot to cover. Um, episode three was a masterpiece. I'll put that out there. Yeah, we all know that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Episode three was a masterpiece. Um, also, at this point that we're recording, um, episode five is out, but Dan hasn't seen it yet. Ooh, so we had to we're work not going to talk about night. episode five. <laughs> It's 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 unfortunate um, because I think episode five was a lot better than episode four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was I was hoping it, I I I had high hopes that it would be one because there's nothing I've seen that made me think that they would have a a bad episode. Like even four wasn't bad TV; it just wasn't as good as all the other ones. No, um, and it is a two parter. So like. You know, I or at yeah. least I assume it's at it's at least a two parter. Um, so I, you know, I haven't seen it yet. So um, I would assume that you know that we're gonna get some questions answered and find some stuff out. And I and I've been looking forward to it. It, yeah, it came out last night. I had a photo shoot. I couldn't watch it. Um, and I got home really late. And uh, I don't I don't know why, but my wife didn't want to watch it while we had breakfast. So. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't imagine why. <laughs> <Now> that's <laughs> comedy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I'm noticing, so, especially just with the five episodes that are out now, I'm noticing something kind of weird slash interesting about the show, and that they seem to be almost alternating between. Sometimes they'll choose to make a longer episode and get a whole story arc into mm-hmm. one episode, or they'll make short. I mean, none of them are short, but they'll make shorter episodes. Yeah. And they'll make two parters. And, you know, we're only a few episodes in, but so far, the long episodes that tell complete arcs, much more successful than their uh, separated arc uh, stories, I feel like. I mean, I would the benefit of separating a, an arc over multiple episodes is that you have additional time. And that's that's like the core advantage of a TV show over a movie is that you have more time to tell your story because it's broken up into pieces. I mean, the the other advantage they have is... is while I can't empathize with this when we're talking about a show like The Last of Us, I'm sure that there are people who don't want to sit down for an hour and 20 minutes every week to dedicate to a single show. 
Um, so it's yeah. probably beneficial audience wise to, to have some shorter episodes. I do think that it's super interesting. I, I can't think of another show that I've noticed varying episode lengths as much as this one is. I, there might, might be some, but I can't, yeah. I, I can't think of any. Um, and it, it does, it, it gives me a lot of hope because it shows that they're, they care about the story and they're not going to try and cram something into one episode if they don't think they can do it justice that way. Yeah, I can't I I I've seen other shows that will do like the long episode like once at the beginning or end, yeah. but now the show has already done it twice in the first half of its first season and that's uh yeah, I I don't I don't know of another show that's done that. You know, that's great. I mean, they're 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 taking full advantage of the new format that we have now in the streaming age where you don't have to fit it into a broadcast block. You don't have to make commercial breaks and that's just that that's all that's immensely satisfying mm-hmm. for me they're really i feel like they're really taking advantage of the format that they have yeah i agree that that's i much prefer this way of releasing making things except that they're not releasing it all at the same time that would be my actual preference but eh, one step at a time right yeah it's just it's just it's just purely good marketing uh like like alex and i uh, I think I think I uh, we were talking earlier this week, and you said you were thinking about just stopping watching the show until <laughs> later, until I, more of them had come out, and you could just watch them. <laughs> felt like well, it's and it's funny because it was episode four that made me feel that way. Because just to speak very simply but clearly, at the end of episode four, my literal I think I said out loud alone in the living room to myself <laughs> was that's it and i was disappointed how the episode ended it ended so quickly and i was just like man i waited a week for this and then episode yeah five came out or this could be applied to episode three as well i felt very satisfied by the end of the episode i was like ah this was an experience worth waiting for this was good tv I feel great and I feel fine not talking uh, spoilers at all about episode five, but I did not have that same reaction of like, oh man, I'm upset that it's over because I didn't get anything. Like it wasn't like I wanted more uh, because it was so good. I wanted more because I feel like I didn't get anything. Yeah. Like I, I wish they would have, I know, I know they tried to end four with a cliffhanger, but I don't think they did it well. Like, it, it wasn't the sort of cliffhanger that's what a cliffhanger is supposed to be, which is like, oh, my God, I need the next episode right now. It, and I, I think that may have just been by virtue of it not being as good as the other episodes, because all I could think of was that wasn't as good as the other episodes. I'm going to let me push back quickly mm-hmm. and say I had the same feeling as you, but I need to acknowledge that the cliffhanger affects uh, players of the game differently than non-players of the game. Yep. Yeah, because what I was going to say about that is when we got to the cliffhanger at the end of episode four, so so, so, so at, at the end of episode four, um, we meet, or, or, or Henry and Sam find Joel and Ellie for the first time, and then it's like, boom, it's it's out. And it, but, but you don't know it's Henry and Sam if you just watch the TV show. Right, and, and so I was going to say that the problem for me as somebody who already knows the big story beats is we get to that point, and I... And I'm like, oh, great. The story is about to start. The story for this section is about to start. And then the episode ends. And that's for somebody who knows the story. That's extremely disappointing. 
you know, uh, I'll, I'll be interested to talk to like, I've, I've members of my family also that are watching the show that have not played the game. And I love talking to them about the show because they don't have the, they don't already know the story. Um, so I'd be interested to see what they thought of that, like of, of, of that, you know, if that was a good cliffhanger. Right. Or not. Absolutely. I also felt very dissatisfied by the cliffhanger, <laughs> but I think that's just because I was anticipating what I, I was just looking forward to what I wanted to see next. Mm. I mean, so for you know quick follow up on that like sydney never played the games doesn't she knows a few things here and there just from sure. being in the room like while i played it or Tony played it but um but she doesn't really know the story um and she as far as i know she didn't care about the cliffhanger as much as i feel like we were supposed to sure i might be wrong about that but 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 yeah, no, it's I be- yeah. I believe it. I'm sort of just trying to put all our cards on the table. Haha, <laughs> cards again. Um, <laughs> but just to say like knowing <laughs> the game really does affect uh that particular episode. But in ge- I think uh on the whole I sort of agree with this analysis that uh very simply put, this episode uh was almost like B-roll. It was a transition. Yeah. It was setting up yeah. um and uh there was little anything that happened uh very clearly um or uh, I don't know strictly uh whereas episodes 3 and episodes 5 are just like much more whole stories. Episode 3 being the better one. Yeah, episode yeah. I mean, yeah, episode 3 was amazing. Sorry, I'm just trying to look up the name of the actress in episode four. Um, um yeah, it's Mick. Mick. Uh, there's an there's an MC I think in there or something. What's remember. the character's name? Remember Kathleen. 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 Yeah, I <laughs> I I I, uh, I I know her from. Uh, she was in the George Clooney movie Up in the Air. Um, oh, and I haven't seen her in anything else that she was in, but uh, she she plays a supporting role in that, and I was like, oh, it's it's this person very different character which is also uh, very satisfying for me mm. yeah it's interesting like i see here's the thing <laughs> i want to talk about that because i i want to talk about that but i don't feel like i can because i i can't do it without spoiling the episode five mm-hmm. um but i think next time when we're all caught up i want to talk a little bit about how they changed that arc a lot mm-hmm. in the show from what happened in the game and they we know that they set it up in episode four with the setting up with Kathleen and Henry as being adversaries and all that. Mm-hmm. I feel like almost every part of this arc is different and I'm not sure if I like it better. <laughs> oh, interesting. But, uh, when you, yeah, when you yeah, say yeah. Of, of this arc, you're talking about the Henry the... and Sam okay. arc. Yeah. Have you, of the, yeah. P- part of the journey. Have you listened to the, um, so with the release of the TV show, they're also releasing uh, a podcast with some of the creators talking about the show. Have you listened to the episode five podcast? Yeah, okay. not yet. I want to, but not. Have you been listening to it? I, I have been. I think I missed uh, an episode in there, but um, I'll just say really quickly, the release of the podcast is interesting because it's nice to be able to absorb a show and kind of get like a big drop of information on its background. And specific to yeah. what you're talking about, there is a lot more detailed information about that topic, uh, the changes and how they told it and how they made decisions um, in episode five. Mm. Uh, but I'll also say personally that I 
uh, enjoyed the changes before I listened to the podcast. So for me, the podcast was merely validating, if anything. So I'm more interested in how you'll experience those changes uh, after listening to some of the creators talk. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely have to listen to that. I, I am looking forward to listening to that show, like especially especially because of who's on it. Um, you know, because you know, like I I think I've said this before, but like. I, I like watching the little after show things after the HBO shows, mm-hmm. um, but they're not necessarily informative a lot of the time. They, they they do have this endemic problem of like, there's a lot of just summarizing and explaining to you what happened in the episode as if you didn't mm-hmm. get it. Uh, and I don't want that. I want more information. I, I want more of what I assume is in this podcast, which is like you know explanations of like how things came to be and like why and and like like actual behind the scenes stuff and and not just like oh this is what you just saw in the episode <laughs> absolutely and i w- i wish i wish the little after show things were more like that they're usually not i understand why they're not um but yeah that's that's all to say that like i've been watching the after show things and occasionally there's little bits of information that are interesting um like the like the after show for episode 5 like I especially like when they go into uh when they talk about production and they go into like yeah. oh this is how we made this special effect and things like that. I'm like yes, I want more of that in these after shows right. because yeah, yeah, I can't because yeah. I can't get that from just watching the episode. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm yeah, I'll 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 uh, catch up on the podcast. Yeah, I I definitely want to check that out too. And I was uh I was looking up the name of the actress because that she she was a major part um of what i think took me out of the episode a little bit sure. um not that i think she did a bad job or anything like that but because i used to watch two and a half men which is a show that she had a, a recurring role no on. she's the girl oh, in the balcony boy. yeah yeah oh my god what a weird trip that i just had yeah holy sh- so <laughs> i i couldn't view her as this kathleen character because i kept oh my god because all i all i know her as is this like crazy stalker woman and i'm like is this character also crazy like i'm waiting for the for the shoe to drop i am so lucky i did not recognize her holy yeah um yeah oh boy that's wow what a deep cut i'm hurt i started (laughs) that show came out when i was in eighth grade and i remember telling my principal i was watching it and she (laughs) talked to my mom yeah i probably would have too are you kidding me you're letting your son watch this show oh god me and my mom love that show (laughs) and then i also i don't know if i don't i don't know what it was but i didn't love the look of the character the the man who played opposite her um oh you mean it, tommy <laughs> is that tommy it's the no voice but actor. it's the actor oh that i knew yeah. yeah no i was like i didn't think that was tommy um yeah no i didn't think the it fit like it, it, and maybe it's just because he reminded me physically too much of the the guy who plays izzy hands on my our flag means death um but it so right. so like i don't it, it's a it's a hbo pirate show uh taika waititi um oh but taika. uh but uh i like it. so i don't know maybe i was just like where's the pirate ship like but <laughs> it, there, was, there was 
it, it he looked out of place i feel like with everybody else and i don't know i, I feel I, I, again not that he was a bad actor or anything like that but i'm gonna just, can i take a stab at addressing that really yeah quickly? please because i have no idea i have an idea about. too but you go first <laughs> I, very quickly i think he looked like he'd spent 20 years in a post-apocalyptic world and i think this show mm. It literally does take place there, so he literally does fit. But I do sometimes forget like how much time is supposed to have passed in the real world. Like there's a lot of back and forth. Like it almost doesn't feel like it's twenty, like two decades into post-apocalypse. Is the best way I feel like I can uh, empathize with that. Also, real quick, before I, I that could be, but before I say any, before Tony says anything, I need to walk back something I said. I said the wrong character name, um, not Izzy Hands. Uh, he looks like Blackbeard from Our Flag Means Death. Oh, Blackbeard, right from Our Flag okay. Means Death. <laughs> yeah, right, of course. Yes, I don't know if he was overarmed or if Kathleen was underarmed. You know, like cool. I feel like I feel like she should have looked more like him. Because she was also the leader of this, you know, this revolutionary uh, militarized group. And so that that's one point that I have. The other thing is, I wish that he was more of a foil to her. Um, I don't feel like they had enough. I I, I don't feel like he had enough purpose in existing as a character because I don't think he it's kind of a spoiler for episode five, I guess, but, uh, but like, I don't think he ever challenges her in any meaningful way. And if he, if he's not challenging her at all, if he's not challenging her perceptions or her, if he's not acting as her conscience or, or doing anything like that, like what's his purpose of, you know, yeah. being there. I think that was a huge thing that I forgot to talk about earlier too, or maybe just didn't realize at the time, but the, the disparity between what they looked like, I don't think it necessarily matters to me overarmed, underarmed or whatever, but I think the fact that one of them was that that the, that they were so different from each other was weird to me. Like if yeah. like if she was leading and the others also had the same sort of vibe as she did, fine. And or if she was like a lot more, you know, grizzled like he was, fine. But it just I think she seemed out of place because she came across as like this, you know, mom character that like was leading this army. Mm. And maybe that's addressed in episode five. I don't know. Uh, but it, you know, it, it just didn't. I I guess I guess what I would have appreciated is a reason why they're following her. Great. I, right. Her design seems so casual. Yeah. I love this conversation because I, I had a different impression of episode five than Tony. Um, I also listened to the episode five podcast and there's a lot of information that we're talking about that like one thing is I had less of a problem with these things that you're bringing up, but I still noticed them. Like I agree with the out of place comment for both of those characters. Like he looks too grizzled and she looks too casual. Like I get like I feel similarly and there's uh, I'm sort of writing a line here right now where there are things addressed in the show and either they're way too obscure or I just missed them. But I sort of need to say again, like these are actually topics that are addressed in the episode five podcast. And I'm just yeah. going to come out and say that 
watching the episode five podcast does make me retroactively enjoy episode five more. Now that doesn't, I'm not going to make a remark on whether that makes episode five better or worse or good or bad. Yeah. Uh, but just speaking from my own enjoyment, I am now I, I'm just, all I'm doing now is waiting for you both to finish episode five and the podcast. And then we can finish this conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. from my yeah, point yeah. of view. But yeah, no, I, th- I thought they did a really good job with all of the other characters in that, in that, like whatever you want to, the, not i don't know what is uh, it like kansas city they're in no but like what, what i don't know what do you call them like it's not a army like i don't i don't know but like uh they're a resistance sure so i thought all the other characters looked like they should have been there right like they yeah. they they and she didn't look like it both of them both her oh, and, both and, okay. and the guy i i like you said he he looked too grizzled and too like mm. i've been in an apocalypse for 20 yeah. years and she didn't look enough and I don't think one of them is necessarily right or wrong. I just think they both seemed out of place. And like if if everybody look if if they just chose one of those and did it for everybody, I think that would be fine. But it was it was weird that like both of the main two characters in that uh resistance group were so different than the people that they were leading. Or at least physically looked like I should say that they were different. You having only seen episode four, your experience with them has been relatively brief. And spoiler alert, they're both going to be in episode five. I figured. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm interested to see how your feelings, how these, how you will feel about these things at by the end of episode five. Um, whether they'll be reinforced, whether they'll change, I'm not really. Sh- I I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. all I can say is like, you'll get more information in the next episode, uh, that will at least, uh, color these opinions, uh, with relevant information, how that will affect it. I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, we'll see as of right now, I, I am firmly on the side of, I don't particularly like either of their characters. Yeah. And I, and I think I felt similarly when I finished episode. Four. Yeah. I mean, I thought she had a lot of potential when she was like interrogating that doctor. Um, mm. I thought that that was an interesting scene and it, you know, it. I, I thought it could have gone well, but then like she just came in and shot the guy and I'm like, eh, was that how that character really would have handled that? Like, yeah, yeah. she was angry, but like that it seemed weird. And, you know, I, I know they alluded to food stores, so like, and and it's obviously it's apocalypse, so maybe it was just a, a matter of I'm angry, and also we can't afford another mouth to feed that we don't like. But I don't know. It just it seemed the least real of anything else in the show so far. Yeah, I think something about me is I always get nervous when they're when a TV show introduces a character like this, um, and threatens to give them a lot of airtime. Because if the TV show decides this new character four episodes in is important, and mm. I disagree, I was like, can we just go back to the show I was watching, please? And yeah. it's like can be a harsh transition. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, at least we can know a little bit because, you know, we know we, kn- we know at least the, the overarching story. Um, like, we, we they're not going to change it that drastically. They might introduce a new character and choose to have her show up every once in a while but she's not I, I, she's not going to start traveling with joel and ellie like <laughs> i'm gonna quote the episode five podcast uh roughly really quickly to say uh it was clearly an objective 
of Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, despite knowing the gamer audience will go into this with spoilers and expectations, they made it their purposeful objective to keep the gamer audience on the edge of their seats. Mm -hmm. Things like with these cliffhanger endings, they don't want them to be cliffhangers just for the TV audience. They want them to be cliffhangers for the entire audience. And they've mostly stayed true, but there have been surprises that have surprised us who have played the game. And I don't know to what extent these changes will continue to shock and surprise, but it is at least their objective to try and achieve. Yeah, and I mean, I think they've... I don't I don't know about necessarily shock and surprise, but I've certainly not felt bored, right? Like I <laughs> I it's I'm not I'm not sitting there watching a show and I know every little thing that's going to happen and I I am not surprised by a single thing and like they they've done a really good job of keeping it interesting even for people who have just like a wealth of spoilers in their brain already. <laughs> um mm. and you know, granted I I'm not, you know, as well versed in this game as like Tony is, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I just, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, or at least I assume I do. They might change. You recognize stuff, but... the characters. You yeah. remember their beginnings and ends. Yeah. But they but they've changed enough to keep it interesting. And they've done such a good job with the uh, like building of the of the tension. Like I was talking about earlier of like, are we going to get the infected right here? like th- that mm-hmm. that is what keeps me on the edge of my seat and then the game sure. does the same thing like it's that's that's it, good like they've really nailed that down and then the stuff that they choose to change for the most part up until episode four uh, i've thought have been massive changes for the better um i mean i was really nervous at, in episode three when it started becoming clear to me what was going to happen that it was just going to be like queer baity something for the first like 20 <laughs> minutes and like nothing was gonna, they weren't going to explore this relationship at all and then like the whole thing was exploring the relationship and i was like oh this is outstanding um and because like i just you know nobody was expecting that that's just not what happened in the game and it was it was just it was so good i mean there were the the only thing that took me out of that episode was uh bill just like standing in the middle of the street with no cover <laughs> shooting i was like He's i don't think standing in his field yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like i don't think that's how bill would have handled that uh no i but, disagree with you completely i don't that, i don't know that to me I, was like bill is a hardened fighter that knows what he's doing that but, but he somebody who knows what he's enemy. doing would take cover he would no he, he knows wouldn't. he knows he knows he's safe he knows he's not gonna get shot at he knows where the enemies are he knows where they're but he literally was are. shot at <laughs> only only because frank interrupted him frank was the one thing bill didn't take into account and that's what cost him the injury I guess, but the the I thing feel, that I feel good. I don't know if I agree with that. It but, seems but, more like hubris to me. But yeah, I think that's I, I, also I take true. your point. I think that was a, a yeah. stupid decision on his part. That was a little bit out of character. He was doing um, great until that dumbass Frank showed up. Yep. it's all his fault. <laughs> strawberries, but um, <laughs> uh, no. But what what I loved about that is where a a, a lesser show I think would have 
had that same thing happened and that would have been the end and he would have died of an injury and Frank would have been really scared or I mean um upset and maybe scared too um but no he recovered and they lived a long and relatively happy life and I genuinely wasn't expecting that when he got shot Hmm. and then Frank was the one in poor health like I was I was I was expecting Bill to be the one in a wheelchair like that was that was really good um I mean sad as hell but really good (laughs) No, it was great TV. Absolutely. Um, the I'm remembering some quote, more quotes from the podcast. An earlier episode, I remember saying something like, um, if they're going, I think it was in, I think it was probably episode three podcast. Uh, Neil Druckmann said, if they're going to make any diversion from the video game, it has to be uh, better. Yeah, that was from the post show. Okay, yeah. If they're going to make a change and it's going to be the same or worse, then you don't make a change. Right. Um, uh, another quote, I believe is from the episode five podcast is the, there's sort of a, it's scary to decide what things you keep, what things you change from the original game. Like, like the fans of the game are, they're video game fans. They are, you're They're going to catch you on everything. Like you don't stand a chance. You have, you're completely vulnerable. And they were worried, like, well, how do we decide, uh, to do it in sort of a, nuanced and respectable way and their answer was like we're just gonna write a good story instead of worrying about whether it's in the game or not we're just gonna focus on what the good story is and then we'll decide and 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 that's i think i think the simple fact that like they've decided to make a decision like that is what saves them right because it's not like where other adaptations will fail because people will be like oh they weren't faithful like the the book's better than the movie the video game's better than the tv show whatever like it's because they tried to just remake the media and Mm -hmm. it wasn't as good they had to cut stuff out they had to change certain things they had characters that weren't in one form or the other and this one like yeah there's differences but like they chose those differences it's they didn't slip right. up they wrote a they wrote a story yeah i think that this show is going to stand as a testament for a long time as to like this yeah. is what a good adaptation looks like you know this oh, yeah. is these are the kind of decisions that you have to make to make a good adaptation and i'm honestly i'm hopeful that everyone else who tries to adapt something is going to learn <laughs> from the choices that they made on this show <laughs> because I'd love to see good adaptations of other, yeah. you know, of other properties and other IPs, um, you know, and we're, we're not that far into the show, but I, I don't think it's just because I like the source content that I feel like this is the greatest adaptation of something I think I've ever seen. <laughs> oh no. Well, the numbers back you up there. I oh mean, this yeah. Is I mean, the HBO's are most popular uh, release, I think, uh, besides the Game of Thrones spinoff, ripoff, whatever that is, House of I, Dragons, I think it's called. <laughs> I'm, I don't do Game yeah. of Thrones. I don't know either. But um, but I haven't seen the episode five numbers yet because they probably haven't been released. But um, or they maybe they haven't. I just haven't seen them yet. But uh, first four episodes, they've continuously grown their audience, which is just nuts. Like that's just yeah, it's like that like doesn't happen. How, um, how do you even <laughs> do that? It's like. <laughs> And, and that, you know, I even think about that as like somebody like me who's just in love with the show and I still haven't even seen the episode yet. Like, so, so they're, they're growing people, like they're, they're bringing in people who probably just like didn't know or care about this, but like the hype is just so good for good reason. Right. It's growing and people are hearing about it. Even, even from a purely 
selfish capitalistic standpoint, I think it's going to have to be a template for uh, uh, future adaptations. Thank you. It's going to have to be a template (laughs) for future adaptations because it's done so well. Um, Like people are going to want to replicate this. Right. I hope so. Now, it doesn't hurt that the source material had a phenomenal story to begin with. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so they had a leg up there, but but they've done a they've done a phenomenal job. Is you know, n- not not uh, surprising anybody with that opinion. <laughs> Speaking of adaptations, I've s- sort of been sitting here for a little bit with what we talked about earlier, uh, which was Tony's been trying to crack the nut of what is my style of comedy, and it <laughs> took me and it, it took me until like a couple of minutes ago where I realized there is a comedy that we both immensely similarly enjoy. And one of them is an adaptation of something, which is the only my excuse for a transition. Um, but these are movies directed by... Nope, you're wrong. Insert name here. What's his name? Son of a... Doesn't matter. What? If you're referencing the director, I'm going to stick with my stance if you don't like comedies. No, you can have you not. can have you can have preferences. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it that up. I fully agree. Like I know if like I mentioned Taika. I'm also blanking like, on his name. You, like, you know, know what if, I'm talking about though. Edgar. Wright. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Thank you, Edgar Wright. Who, oh, Edgar but, but Wright like, movies. What what does he do? I don't know what. I don't know. What Scott Pilgrim versus the World is the adaptation, okay. and that is an immensely good movie. We all agree. Right? I, I, not... I like the movie. I don't know how it is as an adaptation. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, I don't. I don't care how it is. In it. Yeah. I don't just, it's. A, it's a great comedy movie. But like, I, I enjoyed the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Um, Hot Fuzz. Come on. Come on. Come on. Like you can't. That's not my that's... favorite. I like it. It's not my favorite. Ah, just you have no taste. That's why. That's your problem, not mine. <laughs> and he's also done a couple of other uh, movies outside of the comedy genre, genre recently, including Last Night in Soho and Baby Drive. I'm also a big fan of the other movies in the Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead and Tho- The World's End. Those I liked a lot more. Yeah. What? Yeah. I didn't even bring them up because I mm. thought they were like obviously not as good as Hot Fuzz. Like, they're good. No, they're Sha- Shaun of the Dead is one of my favorite movies. Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I just love Hot Fuzz so much. I think Hot Fuzz is probably my favorite comedy of all time. I, I mean, no, like I said, I like it. It's just not my favorite. Oh shoot! It looks like we're gonna have to take the jag. <laughs> we're, just, we're just man. I I'm I I watch Hot Fuzz in awe. Like I watch that movie and I admire like the framing of shots for the sake of comedy uh the way objects interact with the camera um and as characters like moving in and out of uh the scene just like a simple gesture of the two uh the two characters in hot fuzz simon Pegg and simon Pegg's friend uh nick something (laughs) um they there's a scene where they're arguing And it's not like a funny scene, uh, but they're fighting and like their friendship is ending. And Nick, uh, Simon Pegg's friend, yells at him and says, no, it's your fault. You never change. Nick Frost. Thank you. I'm glad I got the Nick part right. He yells at him and says, the problem is you never change. And he runs away (laughs) from the camera, but like on (laughs) in the shot the whole time. And he's just running away on camera. And it's hysterical. Like, I'm not laughing out loud as that's happening, but that's funny. 
and it's ridiculous and it's and it's appropriate because like he they just had this fight and but they maintain the mm-hmm. fact that this is a comedy through not and not through the form of telling a stupid formulaic joke but just the timing and act of this using this thing that's supposed to happen which is a character leaving a scene uh that's dramatic and using that as an opportunity for comedy i just i i'll never get over the amount of comedy imbued into the little crevices of every part of that movie that's it i just wanted to feel that hot fuzz is kind of interesting because sometimes they overtly tell jokes it's true and other times they take opportunities to do comedic things and i think there's a difference between that Mm -hmm. and also in the times in hot fuzz where they do look at the camera and tell a joke to the audience they'll often hang a lantern on it and like characters will start laughing and it'll be like oh this is you know this is so funny and stupid like we're telling a joke right now so there's almost like the it's almost like they're they're already making fun of the fact that they're telling a joke it's very it's very self-aware in that way sure and uh, maybe so i'm trying to narrow it down like so what makes this comedy different from other comedies and um i think <laughs> why is this night different from all others yeah that's what i was uh, thinking i think that, that <laughs> yeah i know. <laughs> i i i i think that um it's maybe because this comedy is not just telling jokes it's be oh man. I don't know how to describe this. It's being funny. It's I think there's a difference between being funny and telling jokes, if that yeah. makes any sense. I mean, there absolutely is, but I don't know if that's a good description for why Alex wouldn't like it. Because I I would argue that, like Always Sunny, for example, there I it has a lot of that same stuff in it. Like it there there are times where the characters are just being their characters and they're doing funny things that that i find hilarious but like in the show is not a joke and then there are times where like they are clearly joking with each other right i agree but i wonder of how much of this of that is in your memory of that show alex so (laughs) diarrhea runs in the family or is sorry diarrhea is hereditary it runs in your genes that's the joke yeah is not used in the last of us to get a laugh out of you the audience the joke is merely a script in order to define a turning point in the relationship between these two characters Mm -hmm. like they're not it's not at all they're not that joke is not at all trying to be in not inserted into the script to get the audience to laugh that is not one of its objectives at all Mm -hmm. but that's a joke that isn't being told to be funny. And I think when you try and tell a joke and then look at me and be like, huh, am I funny? Huh? And I'm just like, no, like I like there's like the context needs to be sincere, different. I'm not really sure how to describe it, but the context of a joke you might yeah. find in a uh, hot fuzz, uh, like the guy who uh, can't speak English very clearly but you have Nick Frost translating everything he's saying, and that's a running gag for a while. And then they transform that gag when Nick Frost responds to a question, and the guy who can't speak English translates what he says. And that's like, that's a twist on an already funny like structure that you have. And you inserted another joke within that structure of a joke. Like that's like 
that makes sense to me as far as why I think that's funny. Like, this is just a situation that is funny that is then embellished and transformed to discover new ways why it might be funny or interesting or relaxing or uh, untenseful. All these things that comedy can accomplish. And it's not just like, hey, laugh at the old man who can't speak English. It's just like, that's not what's happening. That's not just what's happening. Yeah. I mean, I would I would say that any good comedy has probably both of those types of jokes, though. I hope so. I guess I found that less in a lot of TV shows that are within the genre of comedy. I mean, I think I think in a show like Always Sunny, right? Like there's I, I, I would say that there's actually not a ton of jokes that are told to just be like a joke you could go tell to somebody. Right. Like it's not it's not like a. I said this funny thing now laugh it's like it the, the joke is this character did something that is either so out of place in this location they're in that it's ridiculous or the 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 way that these two characters are talking to each other is insane and here's this normal person watching them like like it's it's not like it's the, the I, I would say like the most common form of comedy as I'm describing it and realizing it is like the, the there's some sort of juxtaposition between what the gang is doing and some place or something or somebody that is observing it. I just remember from It's Always Sunny because the world found it so funny that I had to listen to everyone quote this over and over again. And I heard people talking about paying the troll toll. Da, da, da. And it no, was just... But that's, but that's not funny by itself. Like it's well, people seemed to quote it like it was. Oh boy! But but the thing, yeah, but, but that's the, just how references work. Yeah. Like references are only funny if you know the context where it comes from. Okay, like that's just true of all references, right? Like like <laughs> that. That's fun. it's funny because of the stupidity that it comes from. Like it it they're they're putting on a musical that is already just stupid like just it's in it's an insane idea to begin with is there and context then other than stupidity that you can describe it as? in this particular joke I, sure yeah yeah with this particular <laughs> I, one it, like is the musical more than just stupid or is it just stupid uh tony maybe you can help me out with this one <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's 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 an it's it's funny because it's an incredible amount of effort that they okay. put into yeah. something and they did and they did make a it's not it, it it's not a terrible product it does function <laughs> as a musical it just defies a lot of your expectations of what you would see in a musical and yeah it's it's they put they put just this tremendous amount of work into something that didn't need to happen at all and then you've got frank in there who just can't say words properly so that becomes a meme that's the troll toll one is it is there a reason why they put a massive amount of work into this despite not needing to I forget. So, uh, okay, okay. So the so the story of the episode, <laughs> spoilers for that episode, is that um, Charlie is trying to make a wedding proposal to the waitress. And so he writes a whole musical. He keeps his intention secret from the rest of the gang. He convinces right. them to rehearse this whole show. They put it on. He invites the waitress. She shows up. He throws in the secret song at the end, which is this which is this big reveal. And he does this whole solo. And then he proposes to the waitress. And she rejects him. 
outright. Gotcha. Okay. And so that's the that's the whole set. There, there is a whole purpose. There's a whole setup. Charlie is this. He's trying to accomplish this thing. He's trying to accomplish this character beat for himself, and he spectacularly fails. And it is spectacular in the in in the in the in the greatest term of the word because it's so over the top um and he ultimately still doesn't accomplish his objective um which is uh it's it's both tragic and it's hilarious Mm -hmm. and and yeah i mean i i don't think you can ever judge anything based on the references that people make to it it's just not possible because you, if you don't know the source material, you don't understand why people are referencing it. Like one of my favorite references that I, I don't say it as often as I want to, but I think it all the time. Um, <laughs> it's just like anytime somebody's drinking orange juice, I'm like, why are you drinking straight mixer? <laughs> it's just like a stupid joke, but like it's in the context of what they're doing in the show. I found sure. hilarious. Right. It's also inherently funny that this average person like doesn't know what orange juice is or what it's for or what healthy food is at all. Like, yeah. Like like when Charlie um, doesn't that's like a reoccurring theme where like Charlie doesn't know something that like everybody theoretically should know. And it's I don't I just find it so funny. Like he does it so well. But, it's like, like I eat stickers all the time, dude. They're right on the pears. Like but but he also knows a lot of things that other people yeah, don't. That's true. And the show also drops those things in. So it's like it's it's funny that just like it's not that he doesn't know anything. It's that his body of knowledge is really different from yeah. everybody else's body of knowledge. And like especially in the Family Feud episode, it really mm. comes in clutch because <laughs> well, he keeps that's... getting all these ridiculous answers that nobody else was expecting. And he's and he's kind of the wild card. That but that's not that's not about his body of knowledge though. It's because he was one, he was the pe- one of the people interviewed. So the one answer that nobody else got was the answer he gave. Well, I would I would argue that that is about his body of knowledge, but (laughs) like he ultimately knew the answers. But But yeah, I I mean, like we I I don't think that's either here nor there. But like we we get examples like there is one episode, the the Charlie work episode where the gang has to take over his work and the bar falls apart. Like it's it doesn't they don't know how to do everything he does. Right. He's he's a more he's he's a more interesting character than is just on the surface, because it's not the joke isn't that like, oh, ha ha, this this guy is stupid. It's that it's that this guy is uh, is is weird and has a lot of skills and a lot of talents. uh, But it's just very he's just very different from all the other people that are around him. And it just gets him into these it, it gets everyone into these weird situations where like he'll just give a response that nobody's expecting. It's like one of my, one of my favorite things. Sorry, I just gotta reference it because Sony said it gotta. made me think about it. You just gotta. I, w- I won't say all. I won't say the jokes, but just like the the prime example. I mean, I'm not watching it. So the prime example of him saying things nobody's expecting is when they're setting up his dating profile. To me, that is one of the just one of the best scenes in the entire series. I laugh my ass off every single time, no matter how many times I watch it. Mm-hmm. Just like ghouls yeah. and magnets and stupid right. shit like that. <laughs> feels like a crime to me that in this conversation about tv show comedies i've learned that the shows do give context to these (laughs) jokes as you've just described but also it's like the first episodes or the beginning of these shows that are really bad so like in order to enjoy these shows, you must per- first pass this trial by fire of watching bad TV. And then well, once you've got that context, then it can become a good show. I think that can be true. Yes. 
Um, like okay. I mentioned before with Parks and Rec. I well, maybe yeah, let me walk that this back with a the Office bit. and Parks and Rec. Um, the yeah, so well, the Office I think is a special case. I don't. I don't think. I think I have to separate that from all the other shows because this it's just okay. so like that. That one I I failed so hard on what on whether or not I thought it was a good show or not. Um, but the all the other shows like I don't know if like the first season of Parks and Rec, for example. Like, I don't think it's bad. Like, it wouldn't have been given a second season if it was bad. It just, it's not great. Like, it's, it like, and I use the term great, like, with a capital G. Like, it's, it's not the show it's going to be yet. Like, it's, it's, it's not this, like, classic of, like, so many people's favorite comedy. Um, and oh, I think a lot of comedies go through this. We're like, Always Sunny, the first two seasons before Danny DeVito gets there, it's, it's good. I watched them. I enjoyed it. I laughed. It didn't become like one of my favorite shows of all time, though, un- until Danny yeah. DeVito joined. And if I can quickly go back to the troll toll thing, the 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 funny <laughs> thing must. about the troll toll thing is not the first part of the. It's not the premise. Mm-hmm. The funny, it's it's a diction joke because this because the second half is you got to pay the troll because. Frank is trying to say this line and it's a joke about bad writing and it's a joke about elision because the line is you got to pay the troll toll to get into the boy's soul. You got to pay the troll toll to get in. And he's trying to say the boy's soul, but they're not separating the word enough. And so it sounds like the boy's hole. And so it sounds like they're making a joke when they don't mean to make a joke. Um, so like a pun, it's, it's kind of a wordplay joke. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. I'm fine calling that a pun. Yeah. I just, I just, I just wanted to explain that yeah. a little bit because <laughs> no, I, I got you. I got, there's, I understand the, clearly the point right away was my impression of this particular joke is colored, uh, horrendously by the fact yeah. that I merely heard a small part of it referenced out of context to a league of guffawing fans, um, that are guffawing at a lot of context in addition to this uh singular right and and right and it's not that the it's not that the pun is the funniest thing in the world it's also again it's in this context of they're producing this show and we see all these really talented actors acting really badly and that's also uh funny because there's Mm. skill involved in that Mm -hmm. Um, i wonder if i missed that as well yeah like danny devito is an amazing actor (laughs) and he's like doing this really bad acting job and that's that's really funny (laughs) yeah i mean it's like when you hear a really bad singer sing poorly on purpose like it's not super easy to do that well. Like you can, you know, maybe go flat a little bit, whatever, but like, and, and like, obviously a bad singer can sing really badly. Um, but like somebody who's like a, a phenomenal singer putting on a character who doesn't know how to sing like that, if it's, it's a skill and, and to, to watch, like Tony said, these phenomenal actors do this, like it's it, it is impressive in its own right. But I think that to go back to the, the, the troll toll thing, like the, the reason that, people can just say like troll toll and people start laughing is because it's the it is the context like you say that and it brings back oh this whole episode is just hilarious yeah they've loaded up the context in their brain of the whole situation yeah yeah, that makes perfect sense to me like uh the there's like a line in young frankenstein where um igor just goes and horses neigh in the distance uh mm-hmm. and that would be very funny to anyone who is familiar with it if you just walk up and go and out of context it makes no sense and shouldn't be funny uh but anyone who is aware of the right. uh, movie 
Yeah, that's I'm it's a running gag. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's great. So and that the, makes the other, perfect sense to me. And the other thing with comedies, uh, or at least good comedies, and and same with any good TV show, is the characters' personalities get fleshed out, and you start to like expect them to do certain things, and a a good comedy will use that and at times subvert it. Like so, like Tony was saying, you know, we ex- we get told over and over again how stupid Charlie is. Like the guy can't read, and then he'll do something just brilliant out of nowhere, and you're not expecting it, and that's funny. Sure, that sounds. Like I think classic. I think there I think there's a major difference that I'm hearing here that like I think maybe Dan and I see a lot more of the situational comedy in It's Always mm-hmm. Sunny than just the joke telling, um, and I I wonder if. Um, the impression that your experiences with the show gave you, Alex, is that the show relies more heavily on joke telling than I think we might be thinking about it. Uh, my interpretation would have been the amounts that I have seen of these shows is merely the fact that like, whenever I've watched it or it's been shown to me, uh, it might be like my first impression of the show, missing that ever so important context um, that Could be. we can watch the same thing and you two might be laughing hysterically, and I'm not. And the only difference is context. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and you just have to decide, like, how worth it is it to get that context. Um, and Oof. now, granted, you know, I'm not convinced you like comedies yet, so it's probably not worth but- it. <laughs> um- <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's fine by me. Like, I don't, I've never, and do you agree, uh, you've agreed with me, you agree with me on, like, talking about video games, like, you don't give 30 games 31 minutes before you put them down if yeah, they don't catch you. I don't think I like right video away. games very much. Yeah, I, I think you just don't <laughs> like video games. No, um, I, I also want to just say really quickly, I don't know that I know Danny DeVito's uh, filmography at all. I'm like really? skimming through his Wikipedia page. And oh, like, oh, he was, the, he was like the, the satyr in Hercules uh, or whatever, uh, the animated, and maybe he was done a, another animated or two that I might recognize, but I don't know him as an actor in any of this. Oh my god, he is one of my favorite actors of all time. Like he's he's just he's brilliant in everything I've seen him in. Yeah, and I think that might just be another piece of ever important context that I'm missing for trying to that, enjoy the show. That that I would disagree with because I'll I'll be honest, I didn't know too much about him before I started. Gotcha. Um. It was more of a retroactive oh. thing where, like, I really enjoyed him in Always Sunny, and Sydney, who knows all the all the movies and all the things, uh, was like, "Oh, let's go watch this other thing he's in." Well, I then, I I mean, I I I agree with you. I I think that more context pretty much always helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always, I think it always helps. Uh, your opinion of something if you already have a positive impression of the people that are in it, or if you have expectations for them. Let's go back to Nathan Fielder, right? <laughs> like <Woof. laughs> you mentioned, you mentioned having more of an appreciation yeah. for the rehearsal after you had a little more context for who he was and what mm-hmm. his deal was. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great example. Like it's basically the conversation we had was jumping right into the rehearsal felt difficult for me, uh, alleviated by watching a little bit of uh, Nathan for you, which I didn't fully invest myself. I never uh, finished Nathan for you and. Um, I ended up just feeling yeah, iffy about the rehearsal, but I certainly was able to understand that difference. Yeah. So give me five comedies you like. That's your homework. <laughs> um, I've got it right here. Um, uh, here we go. TV shows, the, TV shows, right? Not movies. Uh, but 
There's so many different. different things. It's very different. You're different. I know. Uh, why is it different? <laughs> why has it got to be different? <laughs> it's comedy. Be- because of the investment thing, because of the context thing we were talking about. Like, you know, what a I, movie I think, is I think a what, self-contained I think what, story. Rick. TV shows you have to give time. Yeah, I think what Dan's interested in is like, what have you cared about enough to invest that much time in? How about a podcast? Enjoy? Nope. What? How is that <laughs> it's a not? Diff- it's a different medium. I mean, it's a better like, medium. Jeez. I mean, that's I think podcasts fine, are closer, but, but... I, I would agree that it's, I would I would for sure agree that it's closer. Um, but it's but what, it's what's different. your list? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need five TV shows. <laughs> well, I don't have no, five TV shows. I, I, I don't I care. Like, What'd you write down? <laughs> I have like ten good things. I've got. Uh, I wrote down the Good Place. It's not very high on the list, but I wrote down the Good Place. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down Dragon Ball Z Abridged. That if that's not a TV show, then I'm leaving. Um, I think that's uh, that's all the TV shows. Um, <laughs> I wrote down uh, Ninja Sex Party as an artist, a musician that I. This is the uh, least helpful list I've ever heard. You're the least helpful list I've ever heard. Uh, Taylor Tomlinson stand-up comedy I find uh, incredibly good. Mm-hmm. Um, like right, like and again, right out the gate. Like I don't have to waste time getting context. Like, but again, good that's closer to movies. You're closer like, to movies because it's a stand-up uh, special. It's, it's the, self-contained. The Adventure <laughs> Zone jokes, yeah. podcast, uh, Balance Arc in particular. Uh, I mean, that's like that's like hour long and there's like 70 episodes that's even more than a tv show <laughs> is the adventure um, show a comedy it's it's the McElroy brothers so it's yeah, absolutely it's... a comedy there's no okay. doubt about that um there are some of the best dramatic beats i've ever heard in my life in that show as well but it is without a doubt a comedy um i put down untitled goose game that's a comedy there's no doubt about that um i put down inside we talked about hot fuzz and scott you need for this one i'm, I'm good uh chicken run <laughs> is a movie that's funny oh my cousin Vinny, come on my cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. now that's yeah. like that's easy comedy right there uh ends the b-52s that was the equivalent of putting a map on a wall and throwing darts at it to figure out where you want to travel like none of that was helpful <laughs> Well, maybe you just can't think outside the box. Maybe you're just not open-minded, Dan. No, maybe that that's, that's like, that's, yeah, I I that, know it was it wasn't a bad list. I that, disagree that, I, that it wasn't a bad list. That, that's it like was, telling me all of the desserts you like and asking me to recommend you an appetizer. Like, I it's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is well, so this is interesting. I think this can be informative. Um, that the the things that you're even. Uh, c- considering to be works of comedy are different in the first place like <laughs> um that that i don't that i don't totally agree with like i think if we did go genre by genre like i like untitled goose game for example like if if you were going to ask me what comedies i enjoyed that would not be at the top of my it's not something i would immediately think about but if you were to ask me like what video games do you consider comedies that you enjoyed yeah i'd put that pretty high up on the list well, it's the only thing on the list. There are no comedy video games. That's the problem. Oh, um, excuse you. <laughs> that is not true. Yeah, name but, one um, other comedy game. What comedy name video games other. have you enjoyed? Now, hold on. Oh, well, so hold on. Tony added something onto that oh, okay. that I've enjoyed. No, no, no. Name one other comedy game. I don't care. If Fine. You All right. For, forget that. Name another comedy game. Yeah. Enjoyed whatever. Um, that really terrible Rick and Morty game. Um. That was supposed example. to be funny. Interesting. Uh, 
that new one that came out, I don't remember the name of it, but it's a ripoff of the Rick and Morty game. That, that uh, it's the one that you can watch the whole movie like in the video game if you sit uh, at the TV. No um, idea what you're talking about. I saw a whole bunch about it, but uh, I mean, there are other like games that are supposed to be funny games. Uh, I don't think they're typically super succe- uh, successful or good. But you're um, saying that so flippantly. I don't. I don't agree that that's true. I don't think games are created with the objective of. Uh, setting out to be like comedies like yeah sure rick and morty the video game a video game based on a comedy tv show uh but like as far as like a comedy video game that's your homework hold on i'm not too worried we got a few possible endings in here but i'll wait video game that's meant to be funny yeah Still thinking about because I'm thinking about games. It, it's also it's also kind of tough because I don't feel like I would have played a game like that. But um, yeah, I'm like the same there's, boat. you know, like I'm I'm th- I'm thinking about like the Stanley Parable. I think it's a very funny game. I, that's probably but, a good answer. Actually, there's definitely a lot of intentional comedy in there. Um, whether or not it's um a comedy is it's definitely like very meta and dramatic. But uh, I think that's a great example. Yeah. Especially, it might be like the closest we get. Yeah, that's that's the closest oh. I can get off the top. Oh, of my Max head. Gentleman, so that might fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess the other thing, and the reason why we're not thinking about too many of them, as I'm like googling around, is that because, like, by virtue of being interactive, like there has to be another objective. Like, it can't just be make the player laugh. Like, it's gotta do something like it's got to be a puzzle game or it's got to be an adventure game when we talk about genre we talk about primary objective right so that's what i'm saying is like as i'm googling around there are a bunch of very funny games out there but like it's not like you can't just say it's a comedy game because there's something else there are there are parody games like the looker is i think a game that's made for to to be funny like that's the whole point of the game absolutely it's not made to be a good puzzle game it's just made to be a joke um and but i think that is in the category of parody so i think maybe parody might be so like so like here's here's a prime example of, of a game that i think has made me laugh is very good can't call it a comedy game uh it's portal um portal's got some laughs in there great uh, but it's not that, a, that is a great example um Another one, Tiny Tina's Wonderland. It's a, it's not, oh. like, it's a D and D game, but it's not, it's funny. I've, I laughed. Um, I think Tiny Tina's Wonderlands falls into the category of like, like I was, I was thinking about this. Like, is Steven Universe a comedy? Like, it's a cartoon, <sighs> which its objective is less mm. to be funny, but more to be like relaxing. Like, it's just supposed to be like a gentle game and i think mm-hmm. tiny tina's wonderlands aesthetically is just sort of like a cartoon yeah so i mean i guess what, what i'm driving at is like there there are games that are funny but it's there's not a ton of like comedy games um right that are like untitled the only goose point. game is undeniably a comedy game though i would yeah I, I, i'm yeah sure i think that's fine um well, yeah of course um it's Steve, true. yeah and and steven universe is in my mind, I, I think it's more of a drama or maybe it be, maybe it starts out as a comedy, but becomes more of a drama. Right. Um, this is great. Because, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are some there, there are some big, sad emotions, uh, oh, especially yeah. as you get deep into that show. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, um, yeah. But yeah. So I don't care how long this takes you. There's no due date. 
But Alex, I'm gonna, <laughs> it might not I'm gonna... take me long. I don't know if I've seen five comedy TV shows. I don't think I've seen that many. It's possible. So maybe that's step zero is try some out. <laughs> I've got I've got another list right next to the list I just made, which is list of TV shows that are comedies that I don't like, which is Unbreakable Kimmy Shit, Shits Creek, Always Sunny, Sex Lives of College Girls, and New Girl. Bam, there's your five right there. That's also not helpful. That's, that's that's but that's these are the these are the comedy TV shows I've watched. I don't think there's a five but comedy. You TV can shows tell me. Like. You can tell me a million shows you don't like. That's not going to help me recommend one you will. Like I, it'll, it'll. But I can't it give you what me. I don't have. <laughs> yeah, no. The the problem is, is that like I, I think he genuinely hasn't seen, hasn't watched five comedy shows. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Go watch some comedy <laughs> that I like. No, I did. They all suck. <laughs> eh, you suck. <laughs>